This message was presented at the GYC 2011 conference. For other resources like this, visit us online at gycweb.org. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you for this beautiful Sabbath. Thank you for the time that you are allowing us to meet here. I want to ask for your Holy Spirit to guide my thoughts here. Help me to share, but not only to share. Help me, Father, and help all of us to be receptive. We all want to be good stewards of everything that you have granted us. Father, we want to ask you that you please um, help us to learn ways that we can share this knowledge with others and that we can help others uh, that are in need. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let me talk about myself a little bit so you have an idea who I am. I know some of you. I can see a few familiar faces around. Um, my name is Magda Rodriguez, and um, I um, um, work at Washita Hills College. I am the chair of the Business Administration Program. Um, before working for Washita Hills, I used to work for um, General Electric, for a few years, and um, over there I worked as an executive and I worked a lot with financials, but not necessarily financial reporting. It's actually, my title was called Master Black Belt. And, um, and some people will be like, what does that mean? It's, a, it's a really a title from Six Sigma. And the goals that they set for you every year is actually cost reduction. So, you know, this year is 10 million, the next year is 20, they always just try to raise the bar until you just crash, you know. But in reality, um, finance is something that I think is very important. Um, it's many students that come to our college, some students, they apply to business. And um, I am so happy that some you know, young people realize that we need actually faithful Christian business people around. Um, many people relate business with making money. And it, is, it has to do with that. But the point is, if you do manage your finances faithfully, God can use you in men's ways to reach others. So um, it is something that I highly, highly enjoy doing. Uh, I'm not an accountant. I do not like accounting. But I like the numbers. I like to see the final report and enjoy just analyzing what we can do, how we can move things around. Now, that is in terms of corporate finance, in terms of uh, personal finance. Um, in Washita Hills, we have a program where we try, we consider as a requirement for each student that graduate from our school that they do have personal finance class. The whole semester, we focus on how can you manage your personal finance. It's very important. We consider that extremely important for our students before they graduate that they have that class. So I teach that class. And um, we do have projects and all kind of uh, activities that the students enjoy the class a lot. Now, saying all that, they called me two weeks ago to see if I could present this topic. And um, for me, at the beginning, it was, I mean, need to tell you, I was enjoying the fact that I did not have anything, you know, to do within, uh, in GYC this year. So I told my husband, this is the first GYC that I'm going to enjoy <laughs> in the longest time and uh, until they call me. And that was the end of it. <laughs> because you always, even though you, it's something that for me is easy, you still have to think about, you know, did I bring everything? My computer, I was planning to leave it behind, and now I need to carry my computer. But I am so happy that the Lord just uh, opened this door of opportunity, because if I can share what I know, 
and some people can be blessed by it. It's just a blessing, so I can also be blessed by it. Now, I want to start um, just um, setting the stage. Somebody asked me, I'm trying to remember, if I'm going to just come up with a key of how to stretch your money, who was the one? It wasn't this. It was you? <laughs> no. Oh, she has to leave. Okay, okay. So nobody's. Um, there is no magic bullet on this one. We have to be very disciplined, and it is required from early age, and I am so glad to see a lot of young people over here. I, to be honest, I thought that I was not going to get many people, and I'm so surprised with the, you know, all of you that came. Um, but I will tell you, if you and your Many of you, I can tell you for sure that I'm pretty sure many of you already have a student loan. And that is something, it's is okay, but we just have to be very careful because that's the beginning of something that probably can be, take you and um, have you in bondage for the longest time. And let's just review what the Bible says about things like that. I am not completely, let me just tell you, I'm not completely against debt. I just, I'm completely against debt driven by personal desires, not necessarily thinking, no strategic thinking, where are we going and things like that. I will tell you also that our church, I really like the material that they have available. There is a website called um, Stewardship, uh, let me see, I wrote it, AdventistStewardship.org. And you have no idea how much material is available there. I was just enjoying all the tools. I was trying to think about what things can I share with you. Uh, because they did not want me to come here and speak to you for the, you know, this hour and a half, and I will not do that, I promise. But um, I was just looking for tools and things that way I can use. And the church has so much available, I think it's just that we sometimes are ignorant of what is available. Um, there is a book that I will use very frequently, but at the end I will share with you the details. It's called Faith and Finance. And um, it was... Um, created by, I think it's North American Division, I think created this book. Excellent. It's a workbook, by the way. It's not a book. It is a workbook. Excellent. Yes. It's all available in all ABCs. Excellent. Excellent. I will explain to you how I use that book. I will explain how I use that book. Yes. Oh, yes. It's called AdventistStewardship.org. AdventistStewardship.org. Excellent website. Um, and, um, and I think we all need to take advantage of that. Now, let's just go, um, let me just share with you another thing that they told me in the email that they sent me is that I want you to talk about all things in common. When you receive that, what is the first thing that comes to your mind when you, you know, you want to talk about all things in common? Huh? Time? Yeah? Share money? Selling what all? Huh? Communion living. That's the first thing that came to my mind. And it's just, how am I going to do this thing? I don't believe in this. <laughs> well, uh, don't you have, don't you think sometimes what it comes to your mind is the fact that, let's just be honest. We, we know some people do not manage some resources wisely. And why are they in trouble? Because in the first step, they just, they're not wise management. Why do I want to continue feeding that behavior? So that's really what it came to my mind. It was like a half an hour shock until I said, no, there got to be something beyond this. And then they sent me another email, and it was just a relief when they said how to maximize, um, you know, the, your resources. 
that for me is more, um, I, was, I was relieved by that. But I will tell you that I, I did not let it go. I started analyzing that verse that says in Acts um, chapter 2, that's the verse that they gave me, Acts chapter 2, verse 44. And all that believed were together and had all things in common. Now, um, I just I want to go straight to that. But I want you to, let's just brainstorming. Let's try to ourselves, to transfer ourselves to the early church time. Can we brainstorm about some of the characteristics of the early church time? How were they? What, what, what are, were they feeling? What, what, what were they doing? Can you think about them? How they... Pentecost, yeah? Yes, 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 yes. At the early church, yes, yes. At that time, yeah. Huh? Yes. What else? Uh-huh. Preaching, somebody said here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the sense of urgency was there. It's just almost like we have no time. Let's just give it all. Um, what other things? The only thing that was in their mind was what? Sharing the good news. Sharing the good news. We got to do it quickly, quickly, quickly. So I just started thinking about. Um, let me see if I wrote something else. I think I wrote here. Their mind was focused on one thing, good news of a recent savers and his soon coming. They had a sense of urgency to reach every soul. So they had no limits. Things of this world were of little or not value. Or not value. A sense of we must work with everything that we have while we can. They were facing intense opposition and persecution. My question to you, let's position and let's go through that list today. Do we have in our mind, just our mind is focused on one thing. Don't you think that should be our spirit? That should be our spirit. High sense of urgency to reach every soul. As I was preparing this, I was just thinking, even evaluating my own mindset, my brain, my, my heart, where do I really believe what I say? How do you show that you believe that you're really living, you know, um, what you believe? Um, you know, things of this world were of little value. You know, I need to be honest with you. If you go to my office, either I have one student here so she knows, every single pen, every single pencil in my desk, it has my name. I know where they go. I know they gravitate. Those things of having pens in common is just like, because I lose pens. But I also collect pens because every time that I go to an office, I just keep talking, sign something, and, and the pen is on my desk, you know. So for me, I'm very, like, I try to protect what I have. I like specific kind of pens. And I don't want anybody else to, I, they're difficult to find, by the way, too. Uh, the last time that I found that, it was, believe it or not, in Nepal when I went last year. And I found a I bought a bunch of them, and I just want to make sure that they last for a few years. But um, I have a hard time sometimes sharing the things that I have. Not because I don't want to share, I just don't want to lose them. But um, when you think about this, are we really living 
what we believe. Now, let's go to this. What The other question that I have for you is, um, what do they need the money for? To support their needs, and what else? Support missionaries. That's, that was really the main goal of collecting money and have everything in common. Should that be different today? So what is the difference then? Why are we not reacting that way? What are we missing from the early church? There's one thing, persecution. 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 Now, do we have to wait until persecution happens to share? Now, I want to just, this is how I interpreted this, and I, based on some uh, uh, my study, we tend to focus on this church in general. You know what I mean? We tend to think, when you read these things, you start thinking, we are not doing this. We are really not focusing. We tend to forget that it's just, I am, I am. So when we say share things in common, what I realize is that we, in small circles, I see that more and more and more often, especially frequent, you know, lately. I have seen people taking from their savings, sharing with this person that lost their job, buying food. You know, need is everywhere. You know, I will share with you, we had a student last semester that I, um, I realized that he skipped one class, one of my classes. Then I realized, I, find out, I found out that he was skipping other classes. And I just started, kind of my eyes opened, and I did not open my mouth. I just opened my eyes to see what else do I see, what is happening. And I realized, I finally went straight to the student. I said, what is going on? What, what are you missing class and things like that? This is a student that has uh, just had a baby. Uh, his wife had a baby. And the problem was... Um, they had no money for food. They had nothing, just nothing. So he went canvassing during the day to try to get some money for food. That, for me, it was an eye-opening. The need can be next to you, and you don't even realize. So we need to ask the Lord to open our eyes so we can see the need, so we can help others. What we have, it should be there. Immediately, as soon as the word went out, everybody went through their houses, and then the next day they had plenty of food, you know and things like that. But what I'm trying to say is, try not to think when you read about these things about the whole church, think about your, you know, circle of influence, your church, the people that you work. Need is always there. The need is always there. Now, another thing that I wanted to share with you is, what is the council? And I just, by the way, what I want to make sure is that we all are in the same page before we started sharing some of the tools. But um, I started looking into what is the counsel that we have in our church for, um, for us, for today, in terms of finance. And one of the things that I found, I found four principles. One of them is practical benevolence works as a medicine to our heart. Practical benevolence. What is practical? What do you understand by practical benevolence? What comes to your mind? There's two components here, practical Huh? Tiding. Okay. It's not emotional benevolence. Okay? It's practical. It requires some planning. It requires some thinking. You may not feel that that person deserves that, but maybe it is the right thing to do it. 
It is intentional. That is the word. It is intentional. But what it says, I'm going to share with you um, this quote from um, Testimony Volume, third, third volume of Testimony, page 387. And it says, uh, Practical benevolence will give a spiritual life to thousands of nominal professors of the truth who now mourn over the, their, their darkness. It will transform them from selfish, covetous worshippers of mammons to earnest, faithful co-workers with Christ in the salvation of sinners. So practical benevolence, it works as a what? Medicine to your soul. Second thing, um, why we don't have the same spirit today, I'm going to read to you from uh, CS, that will be um, Christian Service, page 40. Council stewardship? Okay. What is Christian? What is service? Okay, okay, sorry. <laughs> okay, good. Thank you so much. Um, it says, I'm trying to summarize and paraphrase. Oh, page 40. Page 40. 40.3, 40. so paragraph 3. Um, did they but realize, and I'm just trying to shorten this thing, but um, if the love of Christ were burning in the heart of his professed people, we will see the same spirit manifested today. And he's actually talking about, I should read the whole thing. In the last extremity, extremity, before this world shall close, thousands will be cheerfully laying upon the altar. Men and women will feel it a blessed privilege to share in the work of preparing souls to stand in the great day of the Lord. If the love of Christ were burning in their hearts of his professed people, we will see the same spirit manifested today. That for me is a hard calling. They did not, did they but realize how near is the end of all work of, for a salvation of souls. They will sacrifice their processions as freely as did the members of the early church. So the part that we are probably missing is that part where I don't think um, we realize how close and how short is the time. And I don't know, I did not print that quote, but I know there is a quote that talks that there is going to be a time when we are going to be crying because we wanted to help, but money will be of no value. So when is the right time? I will share with you some things that my husband and I struggle with. Because to be honest, sometimes there is so much need and you want to just give it all. I just feel like, uh, is that wise? I'm not sure, and that's the problem. I am not sure, but I, what we decided, my husband and I, is to pray sometimes independently when projects come our way. And then we both think, we both analyze, and we sometimes come up with some creative ways of sometimes meeting the need. Um, but what I'm trying to tell you, I don't have the solution. I think it's a personal decision. This has to do with your own soul, so you have to be aware of that, that... Um, there is not an easy way to know other than God leading you. But this is key. Okay, this is a principle. Never use emotions. Emotions are never, never, never. Now, the reason why I'm saying you need to, if you have some emotions, that's good. But you need to validate those emotions with some principles. Does that make sense? So I'm not saying be a cold person, just have to. But just validate. Don't go only by emotions. Um, the other thing that it says over here, counsel, for us, at the end of time, it says, remember the poor. It says, um, this is, now you've got to help me if you figure out that one. It's S-P-T-A. 
I'm just trying the book. SPTA says. Anyway, you can write SPTA, <laughs> and then I don't really know what it is. Page, um, oh, it says SPTA 09, page 68. Special messages, something like that. I try, I didn't look for it, but it says um, 60A, 6A. It says every extravagance should be cut out of our lives. Okay, for the time which we have to work is none too long. All around us, we see suffering humanity. And I think we see it now more than before. And we'll get to there. Families are in want of food. Leader ones are crying for bread. The houses of the poor lack proper furniture and bedding. Many lives in mere hovel, which are almost destitute of all convenience, the cry of the poor reaches to heaven. God sees. God hears, but many glorify themselves while their fellow men are poor and hungry, suffering from want of food. They expect much on they ex, expend, expend much in their tables and eat far more than they require. What an account men will will by and by have to render for their selfish use of God's money. You know one thing that came to my mind? I, I started evaluating. I'm not perfect. I'm just saying, I am just think that I'm, I always try, when I'm going to buy something, even shoes or anything, is this a need or is this a desire? You know, is this really needed? I don't know. We ladies, sometimes we have like four pairs of brown shoes. And I just question, you know, <laughs> now I got to start thinking and, and, and because every penny counts. Those $40, those $50 can be feeding somebody else, and, and that's what we need to think about. Now, um, I like this. In Proverbs 19:17, it says, He that had pity upon the poor lended unto Jehovah. That person that has pity on the, the poor lended to, lend to uh, Jehovah. And his good deed will be, will he pay him again? That means that we are lending. That's kind of a, a verse that we can kind of talk for half an hour about it, but it's Proverbs 19.17. I want you to meditate that probably uh, later on. The other counsel, and I'm almost getting to the end. Be aware of Satan's plan. I'm going to read again. These are quotes that I got. Be aware of Satan's plan. This is found in, uh, oh, I didn't get a TM. Telling money to minister, page 473. As you can see, I have not been Adventist for a long time. So, you know, it's not that long. They just have a hard time. As the people of God approach the perils of the last days, Satan holds earnest consultation with his angels as to the most successful plan of overthrowing their faith. I think that's important. Go, go. Make the possessors of land and money drunk with the cares of this life. Present the world before them in its most attractive light, that they may lay upon their treasures here and fix their affection upon early things. We must do our utmost to prevent those who labor in God's cause from obtaining means to use against us. Keep the money in our own rank. The more means they obtain, the more they will injure our kingdom by taking from us our subjects. 
make them care more for money than for upbuilding of Christ's kingdom. And the spread of the truth we hate, and we need not fear the influence, for we know that every selfish, covetous person will fall under our power and will finally be separated from God's people. This is uh, Testimonies to ministry, Ministers, page 473. Page 473. It is real, the battle that we are seeing. And now we are going to... Um, there is a call also, I like this, sacrifice all to God. This is called early writing. It's in early writing, page 66. It says, lay all upon his altar, self, property, and all as a living sacrifice. It will take all to enter um, glory. Lay up yourself for yourself treasures in heaven where not thieves can approach or rust corrupt. Ye must be partakers of Christ's suffering here if ye would be partakers with him in his glory hereafter. Now, what is the message? What is the message for today in summary of what we have reviewed? What do you think? The message is money doesn't belong to us. Number one, it should be used for what? For God's kingdom. Good stewardship. I didn't want to use that word because I just have a strange feeling that some people hear the word stewardship and it's almost like, um, but we have to be good stewards of everything that God has given to us. What else? What other principle? Yeah, emotions shouldn't, should be uh, weighted <laughs> and validated, emotions. Mm -hmm. but God's principles exactly prayer will be a great tool in your hands in terms of making decisions financially now one of the things that I want to um, talk to you is what is the main issue that we are facing today hmm? selfishness now the major issue in the United States and in the global world is our economy. We are having so many challenges. When they, I was asked to do this, this workshop, they told me, make sure that you give them something that they can take home. Now, I um, called one of my friends last week, um, somebody that I know for many years, and it was so interesting. He's not a Christian, but um, he is not. He is a truck driver. And actually, he was talking to me, and he was, he did not even have money to buy food. Um, and I was just, but he was kind of aggressive. You know, it's like, you know, um, I sent him a, a video for Christmas. Oh, forks over knife. Many of you have seen him. Um, he's a truck driver, and I, I don't know if you have seen, the people from Phantom View have seen it, because that's what I watched it the first time. It's called uh, Fat, Sick, and Nearly Dead video. Um, and, um, and since they talk about the driver, the truck driver, I thought that it was a good opportunity to send them that because he's heavy. And I just, I just thought that it was a great opportunity. But um, when I called him to follow up, he, was, he thought it was just great principles, but he said, did you see in, uh, in the one, in Forks Over Knife, when he talks that people that do not earn that much money, their, their level of, um, their, um, the quality of their food and things like that, they tend to eat more in fast food, cheap fast food and things like that. And he went after that comment and he said, you know, that's where I am right now. And, uh, you know, very, 
And I started praying. I didn't know that was such a huge need. I started praying. But I realized that he's not the only one. There are so many people. I'm going to tell you, where, do you have any idea where unemployment levels, the unemployment percentage right now is? It's between, you know, it's never perfect. But let me just tell you, unemployment um, rates that they give you is not the real unemployment. Everybody that is discouraged from working, that means that you give up. You're out of the statistics. What that means is that 8% or 9% or 10%, not real. Not real. So the closest that you can get is actually what they call real unemployment. And there is a lot of debates about that measurement. But anyway, let me just tell you, it's always worse what <laughs> of what that person, unemployment percentage says. But right now they are estimating, I was reading uh, last week to try to give you the um, uh, latest numbers, and they're estimating about 17 to 18%. 17 to 18%. You know what that means? That means that for every 100 people, around 20, 19 or 20, they are without a job. Now, what makes this more complicated? What was the type of life that we were living 10 years ago? Actually, no, I will say 10 years ago, it was when I woke up. I, um, my husband and I, we moved to California in, 19, in 2000, 2001. And when we used to live in Virginia because, you know, they move off a lot for, with uh, General Electric. And, and I was in Virginia. The cost of living in Virginia was wonderful. It was really, you know, really nice. So when I decided to accept the job in California, I went to um, San Francisco. Uh, you know, with the, with the money that we got in the house in Virginia, we were able to get probably a garage with an apartment. And, you know, we went to see a house that was built in 1890-something that you will walk in that house and, you know, this, the, the floor was not stable. The light, it was still the old lighting system and things like that. It was something pathetic. They were offering that for $800,000, and they had 13 offers, and it was finally sold in $1.6 million. And I, my husband and I, we were just like, what does money mean for these people? This is pathetic. But at the same time, when we went to, for renting, what happened with renting? It was also up there. And you say, what are we going to do? We already moved. So um, we were in a hotel living for a while. <laughs> the good thing is they covered for a while, but... Um, so we finally found this house, two bedrooms. Um, thank God he had two bathrooms. Um, and a very small house. We went for a very big house, a very, very, very small house. We started giving away everything. And um, it was still um, 365. But when we bought that house, my worst nightmare was I know that this market is not real. It's actually not real. This is going to fall sooner or later. These prices are going to come down, and then I'm going to be stuck, you know. And, and we were always praying, God, just don't let us be stuck here in California. Um, so, but the thing is, instead of going down, went up. Three years later, our, neighbor, um, our, our neighbors, um, actually, they died in a car accident, and then their kids came to sell the house. When they put it in the market, a similar house, like our house, it was $700,000. And my husband and I, we start breathing. You know when you're like, is this the time to just 
fly out of here. <laughs> because immediately, the way that it works is that when you sell and the market goes up, everybody tries to put their house in the market and then the prices go down. So praise God, I don't want to tell you, but anyway, we sold the house at that moment. <laughs> Talking about emotional reaction. That was between, it was emotional because of the happiness, if we can get out of there. But the only problem was I was still working there. And then we went and built, ah, this is to make this uh, long story short. We end up with two offers, and they offers us a lot more than what we were asking. So that, that for me was just incredible. But let me tell you, one year and a half later, we, bought a, we actually built a new house um, in another place. We got into this thing, and then our mortgage, instead of getting a smaller mortgage, it was just higher, you know, larger mortgage. Worst nightmare. I, we, I, that step was not wise. I knew, I knew, I knew. But God was so merciful because uh, we lived that household for only 10 months. And at that point, I felt I was called to come and, and do something not only different. I wanted to serve the Lord with all my heart. And we went and accepted uh, to go to Washita Hills to work at Washita Hills. Just my salary level went to... Ooh. But we thought that we don't have kids, we don't have anything to lose, but we wanted to do something more meaningful. And we did it. We sold the house. A few weeks later, no houses were selling. We got the money out of it. was just a miracle. It was a matter of weeks. But let me tell you, this is a good story. 99% of the stories are not this one that I'm telling you. There are many that bought at $700,000 that right now they just you know, are losing their houses and things like that. It is a crisis that we are going. Now, how does that, what does that have to do with us? You may say, I am not in that position. There are many people that are in that position, but when man has a crisis, it's just the God's greatest opportunity to reach their soul. And it is our responsibility. I know that we go out with the health message, and it's very important, so I'm not putting anything down. I'm just trying to open your eyes that you may have other tools other than health to reach out to some people that may be completely healthy, but they are just very stressed out because they don't know how to live from one month to the other. Okay? And the situation is just that they don't know, and they're getting worse and worse. They still... I thought that things were changing, but this month, during December time frame, November, the number of credit cards, application, you know, the acceptance of credit card that I got in the mail, I thought it was going to go down. No. It's just incredible. So I'm just thinking about other people that just actually see, transfer all your debts into this new credit card and don't pay interest for one year. You know, people do not understand. They just move all their debts to one, another credit card, but they still are borrowing more and more and more. So what I'm trying to say is, if we want to be faithful, we have to reevaluate our concept of what, when and when should we just get into debt, for what reasons, what is driving that. I feel sorry for the students, because the reason why I'm saying this, and I can say it because it's the young uh, audience, few months ago, for the first time, the level in uh, student loans is a lot higher than the credit cards. And the future, actually, the average uh, students, medicine students that graduate, they graduate with over $100,000 in debt. Starting your life with $100,000 in debt. You know, it's, that's, it's something that... It, but then when I saw, I had one student that went from Washita Hills to a public university. 
And he came all excited to tell me and show me the plan that they have for him to pay. And they said, you only have to pay, I don't know how many thousand dollars, but just $2,000, $3,000 a semester, and I can do something and forget that. But part of that list of the option, $5,000 were debt. They were assuming that you can take a student loan of $5,000. And it's like, look at this. So just don't do it, you know. Um, now, there are many options. You say, so how are we going to do it? What happened with the cost of education? Just going up. So how can we do that then? Should we just not study? Door always open doors. There are many things. I will tell you one thing. That this is not going to be my topic here, but there is this sermon in Audioverse by um, Elder Reed, Ed Reed, excellent, that talks about um, student loans. Student loans. He talks about the fact that there are options. You have to give it all. Usually in the schools, they tell you you take 5000 they just give you 6000 something like that, and you usually take what they offer, know what you need. Does that make sense? So the, he just gives very simple tips of things that you can do to minimize the impact of having a student loan. So, yes. Oh, uh, Elder Reed, R-E-I-D, yeah. Excellent, excellent, excellent. He is one, I was listening to some of his sermons before I came here, and I just felt humble. He's like, he should be giving this seminar, not me. Um, excellent, excellent, excellent. I use his material for my classes, um, and it's very, very good. Anyway, what I want to do right now, I, um, let me just, you think money is not important, I'm just trying first thing to find where my paper went. Okay, I'm fine. Let's see. Is money important in our lives? It is very important. Let's just pretend that you, you come back from a GYC and get home, and then you have something in the mail, and when you open the mail, you receive that, and you find out that you owe somebody $15,000. How do you feel? Actually, that happens to me a few months ago. It was $23,000. It was a surgery that I had during the summer, emergency surgery, and the insurance did not pay. I was just like, that night, I will describe to you. Even though I knew I had a way to do something, but, um, and I was going to just move the whole hospital, and I probably, if they didn't want me to have a heart attack, they got to come up with something. But um, that night, I could not sleep. It was almost, I could not wait until it was 8 o'clock so I can take my phone and just start calling and just finding out what happened. Um, it was some issues with the health insurance, but they it got resolved, so <laughs> praise God. But it was not fun. It was actually not fun. Uh, I'm pretty sure my husband felt that I, usually when I'm stressed out, I tend to be very quiet. So he can talk, I'm quiet. But I'm not, it's just, I can't talk. I'm just like so stressed. Um, that was not good. I should trust the Lord. But in some way, you want to do something quickly. So I wanted to have an 800 number that it was, you know, 24 hours available so I can call and resolve this issue. But anyway, money impacts not only your life, your health, and the life of everybody around you. And that's what you need to be aware. It should not be something that you ignore. Anybody that has financial difficulties, it is impacted. Their spiritual life and their physical life will be impacted by this. Now, what happened if you, instead of receiving a, um, um, that you owe, received a letter that you owe uh, $15,000, what if you receive from your uncle that just a Christmas present 
for $20,000. What is your reaction? Pay your loans, that's good, that's a good thinking. I will tell you, I will be just going, running around the house and just so happy and excited and everybody's so important. I will be then talking, 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 doing all the talking. Um, so it is very important. It impacts our lives. That's really what I'm, the point that I'm trying to make. It is ve very important that we take very serious the financial situation of your family and friends and things like that. Now, you don't, um, um, you, your position, you should be responsible for your own debts. But what I'm trying to say is that you need to understand if somebody's having a hard time financially, you need, they need help more than, other than financially, they may need help with health and counseling and things like that. Okay, what I wanted to say is by nature, uh, money demands our time and energy. Here is the conflict. Money is important. In, and that is the reason why we not only spend time and, and energy, but what else requires our energy and time? God. And that's where the conflict starts. Because God realized that money is very critical but he is just setting some boundaries on how we should relate to money. The issue we face is not whether, whether or not, not whether or not or not we will deal with money, but rather the level of importance or priority it has in our lives. Sadly to say, but for the world, money is very critical. But for Christians, do you think is that the pattern? Sadly to say, it is the pattern also too. And what we are finding and, um, is that um, more and more people are focusing, are giving probably less to the church and less to the uh, work because they just see other things as a priority. One of the things that I was surprised is the fact that when you give your tithe, the first thing that we should do is just focus on reinstated if the person have not, um, have not been faithful in the tithe. I think the first step in recovering from financial difficulties is reinstate your tithe. Period. Period. Now, the next question that I was ready for this is that some people are going to probably raise their hand and say, should we tie from the grass, from the net? That's a major issue. Um, and I will tell you, I will leave it to your conscience, but what do you think? God gave it. Why do we need to just take, you know, a grave's blessing, yeah. <laughs> that is true. That is true. That is a very good point. So we have to be very careful. And the first thing when we have somebody in need financially is to help them understand our responsibility and that the money doesn't belong to us and we need to reinstate our tithe. How about the offering? Same thing? Mm-hmm. Here's what I... Some people may, may, um, may think that they should not be focusing on offering, in my opinion, they should also focus on offering. Now, the percentage that you give, it should be systematically. Does that make sense? Just say 1%. Something was it, Give a percentage according to your needs and what the Lord is leading you. But do not, stay away from emotional, remember. Stay away from emotional. What we're going to be reviewing today is uh, a model to try to get out of that, um, that you can use with uh, people um, that are in financial difficulties. Now, one of the first things that you need to do, as I said, just try to help them understand what is the position, what, how important is money, how God sees money. 
Now, the question that you need to help them understand is, why God entrusts us with money? Remember, you can teach them techniques, and they will get out of debt, and if they don't get the principles behind it, they will go right back into the same place a few years later. Because the money issue is not, a money, is not an issue of the money, but it's an issue of habits. If you don't change your habits, if you don't have strong principles, Satan will take you, and we read that, right back again to where you were before. Actually, I will say worse, in worse condition. So one of the things is you need to set their mind straight into where do they need to be understanding the reality of how important is money for God, what is the place of our relationship with God in this, how God uses money. Why do you think then God gave us money? That's the, that's the question that you need to ask. Why do you think God gave us money? Uh-huh. To be part of it. Yeah, as we read, you know, this, this part is systematic benevolence. is actually that it is good for our hearts. It is a very good point. So the first thing that I have in my list here is trust. I think God is an excellent tool that God has to teach us to trust him. So remember, everything that I'm sharing with you is something that you, should, you could share with others. Now, one thing is I did not bring this uh, presentation electronically, um, but if you give me your email, I can send it to you. So you can, kind of, you can take notes, but you can also um, uh, receive my presentation. Um, he, wants ta- he wants us to... He wants to teach us to trust him. In Matthew 6, 32 to 33 says, For the Gentiles eagerly seek all these things. For your heavenly Father knows what you need, all the things that you need. But seek first the kingdom of he- and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. It's just common sense. Trust him. Another thing that I put in my list here is this trustworthiness. Um, are we trustworthy? Of being, when we, what we have here is actually a small amount, a small state compared with what we're going to receive in heaven. Are we prepared to manage what is in heaven? I'm going to read here um, it, trustworthiness. It tests and shows our trustworthiness. Luke 16:11 says, "Therefore, if you have not been faithful in the use of uh, in the use of unrighteous wealth, who will entrust you the true riches to you?" Mm-hmm. Uh huh. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Exactly, exactly. So if you actually help the person to understand the spiritual impact of how you're managing your finance, I think you will help them to have a definitely change that will last forever. Now, one thing is that I mentioned over here is also it's a witnessing tool. One of the most effective witnessing, uh, witnesses to non-Christians, is presented in the use of money. 
It is one thing to say that you love others, but do not show that love. So it is also a witnessing tool. You know, it is so, so enlightening when you are with somebody that has, or what he, they have, they use it wisely. For me, it's just, it, it, I admire people like that, that can follow that. It's easy to put it in paper, but I, it's very difficult to put it in practice. Only with God's help, you can just get to that level. Mm-hmm. And it goes along with what they were saying about character and things like that. So I think we're in the same page. This is what I'm trying to say. Tools are worth not much unless you help them to understand the spiritual aspect of finance, okay? Now, another thing that I wanted to mention is, um, well, I want to go to the um, next area that I want to talk about. Um, What does God expect from our talents? What do you think he expects from our talents? When we read in Matthew 25, we have the parable of what? Of the talents, okay? So when you go to Christ's object lessons and you talk about and you read that, um, that about talents, you find that talents is more than money. There's time. There is also, I listed over here, strength, health, time, influence. And that for me is just eye-opening. Um, speech, mental faculty, as well as money. Money is the last thing that she reviewed, actually. Money is the last thing that she reviewed. Now, what does God expect from us, from the use? When you read that chapter, I came up with two principles, two things that he expects from us. Number one, he expects a faithful use of every single talent. He expects a faithful use of every single talent, of every single penny that you have in your pocket. He expects faithfulness. I'm going to read from Christ Object Lessons, and with these two things, then we jump into the exercise. But, um, Christ Object Lessons, page 352, it says, All are to be used in God's service, but here many err. Satisfied with the possessions of these qualities, they fail to bring them into active service for others. Our money has not been given us that we may honor and glorify ourselves. As faithful servants, we are to use it for the honor and glory of God. Now, the second thing, what is that? Can you think about, if you think about the parable of the talents, what is the other thing that he expects? Multiplication of it. Multiplication of it. Um, When it has to do with money, I think, when it has to do with your talents, I think it's easier to see it. Um, I always have... And I try to make sure that our, my students that graduate, they have that quality. It's the fact that never be satisfied with the level of performance. Always, every year, review, what can I do better? What can I do better? I, I'm a strongly believer on what they call um, self-assessment, that I think every organization should have that in place. Self-assessment is that it's not only thing that's saying, I'm going to tell you, the world, what they do is they do your self-assessment, your assessment every year, and you know what they do the next year? They raise the bar. And sometimes it's kind of 
unreal. It is their way to you make, just make sure that you produce more and more and more. And that is okay. Um, that's how the world works. But sometimes we have a hard time believing that in God's church we could use the same principle. I think, in my opinion, that maybe it's not should not be that we set the next bar level how much we're going to raise. But I think you internally, with God, need to ask, what can I do better? Where should I be next year? And every single talent, every your your the knowledge, you know, the way that you communicate, the way that you treat others, everything. How can I do better in this? Because there's many things that we always have to improve. We will be learning for eternity. So the same thing happened with money. How can you multiply your money? Now, some people, some Christians, they focus and say, I want to invest my money so I can get more money to give to the church. And I heard that over and over again. And it is important to invest. And we are not going to, uh, by the way, the book that I'm going to be sharing at the end with you, that booklet has some ideas of how to invest your money. But the thing that I found in the church, well, that is okay for whoever has money. Let me just tell you. Again, I'm going to go back to the fact that some of you may not have enough money to invest. So some people, I've seen it, that um, they try to save their money. They will not pay for anything. Um, I've seen people that probably are going and living with somebody else to save some money, you know, and things like that. This is the concept. Always somebody's paying for it. <laughs> okay? And it scares me when I see that behavior of just people taking advantage of others' good hearts and big hearts. And now I'm saving money for the God's glory. Somebody's paying for that. So we, it's, some, it's somebody's time. It's somebody's resources. It's somebody. Be very careful about that. Good stewardship includes also the fact that we need to think about others and where is that coming from. You always have to spend money. Be wise. If you want to suffer, suffer yourself if you want to save money. But just don't be a way to another family, you know, that it's um, important. I'm just saying that because I think it's very important. Um, so those two things are very important. We need to use it wisely and we need to what? Multiply. Now, if you're in debt, are you going to be able to do that? Well, it depends on the level of debt. I need to admit that. So what I want to share with you is these pages, these statistics, and I think we all are going to be in the same page after you see this. Um, this is actually actualized as of November of 2011, so last month. Across North America, consumers carry a hefty debt load. This is an average um, of the people that have some debt. This is the average level of debt. So the states that are dark, if you see, which one do you see dark? Over here. California, not to mention California, poor Californians. Um, here in uh, Massachusetts, 102,425. That's the average level of debt. Yeah. Yes, 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 yes. That includes mortgage. But you know what? Mortgage, you have to pay back your mortgage. Anyway, yeah, I know because some people just keep, just think that anyway, they pay rent or they pay mortgage. Mm. Anyway, you got to just look, about, look for opportunities to pay off your, your mortgage as soon as possible. Uh, it is actually, I'll give it to you at the end because I need to get out of the application, but it's in, one, in the website. Um, 
I'll give it to you at the end. I'll give it to you at the end because I don't remember well the name. So anyway, you can see that this is not in, in um, it is everywhere, the level of debt, but I think some states are suffering more than others. So if you're living in some of those states, you have plenty of opportunity to help people. Um, trying to move this. Now, what kind of debts do they have? As you can ask, you asked me if it includes mortgage. Yes, it includes mortgage. So mortgage, it seems to be the part that takes the most. Now, that's where the market, when it crashed, is actually mortgage, and um, it's really the area that banking is suffering the most. Because many of the houses, they bought it and they were overpriced. So what happened is they took a loan and they took a mortgage based on specific value of the property, and now the value went down, and, um, and they are in big trouble. Now, um, if you can see, one of the things that I was surprised is so home equity loans. Home equity loans are just like um, second mortgage yes, um, that people have been taking. Now, credit cards, it's not that bad. But look at what it says over so here, vehicles and installments on loan. You know, vehicles, oh, it is nice. I don't know if you feel the same way, but when you kind of take a new vehicle with all the goodies and things that the vehicle has, it is nice. It feels good. Not wise <laughs> investment of your money. Uh, Ed Reed, uh, when in one of his topics, he, he gives the recommendation that when you take a loan, Take a loan on something that will appreciate in value, okay? Never take a loan or try not to take a loan on things that are going to depreciate. So when you buy a car, forget it, <laughs> yeah. I, we made a commitment that no more new cars, no more new cars. There's no way that we're buying. We made that mistake in the past. And immediately that you drive that car out of the dealer, forget it. Yes, in. It's just, it's ridiculous. But anyway, it's, it's just life. But to be honest, you may think that people understand that. What happened is it just feels good when you're driving, and it smells so good, a new car. <laughs> and I can keep it clean and that kind of stuff. Not practical, not good use of God's resources, okay? Um, let me, this is faster. Now, how long does it take to pay those credit cards? Let's just see some statistics here. In 1989, the average, the median family credit cards, it was actually $4,300. No, that was 1992. 1989, it was probably less than $5,000. And um, it went down in 1992, but just think about this. The median keeps going up. Why, why do you think this is happening? Interest is one of the reasons. The other reasons is that people consolidate. They love to consolidate debts. They love to consolidate debts. Have you heard that before? Let's just take this loan, consolidate all your debts, and now have one more payment, only one payment. What happened with that? That's the first thing. The habit is still there of spending the money. The habit is still there. So now you have one debt that you pay probably less than the sum of all the individual debts, and you have more money in your hands, so what do you do? You spend more. You spend more. You have to actually stop the leakage first, and then you can think about that. Consolidation, I have never recommended anybody consolidation. Just face reality. You do have a problem with bad habits. 
face. That's the problem. Consolidation, you, they are very dangerous. That's what I'm trying to say. They're very, very dangerous. And that's the reason why this thing keeps going up. Because people now consolidate credit cards from credit, card, from credit cards. And, and I am just amazed about what um, the things that you're allowed to do. What I thought is when the whole market crashed, I thought that these things was going to change. But it doesn't seem like it. It just doesn't seem like it. You still have a lot of opportunity to, to get into that. But anyway, that's, I found that that was interesting. And um, now there are multiple things that is driving the um, expenses. One of them, we already talked about it, is education. Um, in that message from Elder Reed, he talks also about some responsibilities that parents have with the children. And I found that very good. Um, I can say that I don't have kids, <laughs> uh, but I know that it's getting very expensive. Um, the other thing is medical costs. Um, it was hard for my husband and I when, I when we moved to Arkansas and we lost our nice health insurance. Um, it is very expensive. God has protected us up to here, and we have now an insurance that is an okay insurance, but it's something for emergencies. But you need to be aware that that's one of the things that drive Sometimes, this is one thing, not always think that people are in debt because of bad management. There are some people that are in debt because of situations that happen to them. So don't, don't always make the assumption that it's just not a bad habit. It's sometimes just that they are put in a very difficult situation. Um, for, okay, let's just move over here. One of the things it says, over the last decade, homeowners pulled an average of 30000 in equity out of their home but only 15% of that money was used for the home improvements. Technically, if you're going to take a home equity, you should use that money to improve the house so the value will go up. So most of the people took the value, the money, and what did they do? Spend it on paying credit cards again, <laughs> always, um, and just did not resolve the problem. In addition to their primary mortgage, the median American homeowner also owns 26,000 other home equity lines of credit. So it is a real crisis that we are having in an individual level. We have plenty of opportunities. So what can we do? Let's work an example. Uh, first thing is, let me go to my notes because I have some steps here. <laughs> Ta -da 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 -da. Okay, the first thing that I want to share with you is um, what do we know about debt? First thing is debt is a form of bondage. I don't know if you heard that before. Um, we are not thrown into physical bondage, but we too often we become slaves to material possessions. Um, debt is a liked, lack of contentment many times. Um, Many times people are willing to go into debt to satisfy the desire, not necessarily their needs, and we already talked about that. Debt can erode your Christian witness. It is impossible to tell your landlord that Jesus loves him, and it is the answer to all his problems when he is thinking, why has your Jesus has not convicted you to pay last month's rent? It is true. It is true. Um, and then the last one that I put over here is debt uh, impacts your giving. Um, God has asked us to give, but we are sometimes over our head in debt. Now, what have dri driven all this issue with debts? One of the things is the cons cons 
consumptive, consumption's lifestyle. Um, easy credits, unexpected bills, reduction of income, lack of household budget. The word budgets, everybody runs away from budgets. How, how many of you have had budgets in the past? Does that work? It works for you? Have anyone on this side had budgets before? For me, it's a nightmare. But it is very important. The reason why it's a nightmare, because I just, it's just, I have to go home and then collect all the receipts and make sure that my husband, he always brings all the receipts. I am the one that forgets to ask for the receipt. But I found many of, just, just in case you have a smartphone, there's so many applications right now that you can download for free. You don't have to pay for it. Um, and you can actually, every time that you spend something, you can just enter that over there and you set up your budget and it gives you actually graphics every day and tells you how you're doing, if you're in the red or in the yellow, in, the, in, in different categories. My, uh, I will um, tell you, I have it here. There's plenty of them. If you look for budget application, but I downloaded two and I like one of them <laughs> uh, more than the other. Uh, here is my phone. Uh, da, 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 da. I have the schedule here. Okay. One is called Visual Budget. Visual Budget. And then the other one that is my favorite one, Visual. <laughs> I'm sorry for my accent. I can't do anything about it. Um, the other one is called um, is EEVA. I'm just trying to mobile reports. Oh God. Okay. It's called EEBA, but I know that it stands for something else. Um, and that's my favorite, actually. The one that I. It's 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 EE. You can look for EEBA. BA. Boy, boy, budget application. That's my favorite. You will still understand that. The graphics, and it's just easier to use. I, don't, I just want to have some accounts, and I just want to put how much I'm budgeting for it, and then I want to be able to easily enter how much I spend, and that's it. I don't want a lot of uh, goodies on this thing, because the simpler you get, just the better. I can follow that. Um, now, that my other suggestion to you, if you struggle with budget, make sure that you do a three-month budget versus a monthly budget. And the reason why I'm saying this is because uh, sometimes you just spend more one month than others, and it just comes in red, and you feel so guilty. But in three months, you can also manage. I spent too much on food this month, probably next month I need to. From where is this money coming from? So you have more way of um, uh, playing and make sure that you, at the end of three months, you are still and within budget. Now, if you have problems with spending, just do it monthly or weekly. <laughs> just make sure that you, just until you get into the habit of be smart, um, just think about uh, what you're gonna buy before you actually spend the money. Okay, one of the things that, um, the steps I wanna talk to you, did I have a paper that I leave over there? Oh, that's what it is. Okay, thank you, thank you, thank you. Okay, let's go through the step. The first thing that you need to help that person is understand this concept. The other thing is recognize that you have a problem. So we are going to into the AA strategy. I do have a problem. <laughs> recognize that you do have a problem. Um, it is hard for people to understand. They tend to blame others uh, for financial situations. We are responsible. 
Uh, but it is easy to blame others. It's just, if you blame others and never take responsibility, you will never get into a position where you can resolve your problems. Seek divine help. It will be tough. You need to make them understand that it will be tough. I always like to use this, I would like to use um, the phrase, I swallowed the pill. It is hard. I hate to swallow pills. But when I say that phrase, my husband knows what it means. It means I'm going to do it even though it doesn't feel, it doesn't, I don't like it. But you need to help them to swallow their pill. Okay? It will be difficult and they need to understand that, so they need God's help. You may need to be praying for that person as they go through this uh, um, process. The other thing is, immediately discontinue any use of credit card. Period. Period. Um, there was a ministry that they were really working hard to try to get this thing, ministry going, but they started using credit cards to get the funds to start going. And you probably know the end of the story. Um, the debts were up to here. Um, so you need to understand that for no reason we should use the credit card unless it's an emergency. But if you do have problems with the use of the credit card, shred them and trust God. Other thing is use probably somebody that can have that credit card to really, but it has to be somebody that is tough, that can say, no, you are not having that credit card. Um, the other thing is try to erase the number of the credit card. You know that now you can call and buy just only giving the information. So I have a hard time because I memorize the numbers. So even though it's like, you know. Yes. Now, I will tell you that my husband and I, the policy is that at the end of the month, pay it off. Pay it off. It just swallow the bullet. If swallow, swallow your pill if you went over budget. And then next month, put your brakes. That's really what it is. It's usually vacations. We tend to be very optimistic on vacation. I don't know if that happens to you. No, no, the ticket is only $200. And then when you get to that place, it's just everything costs so much. So you struggle with uh, those kind of things. So credit cards, um, if you cannot have any control, you have to take a very drastic measure of somebody protecting your credit card or shredding it, whatever it takes. I'm telling you, whatever it takes. I know people that live without credit card and they survive, meaning they're okay. <laughs> But I will tell you that it, you'll even look weird when you're going to pay sometimes and you pay with cash or with check. Um, but I am so happy. I give them credit. Good for you. You know, you're paying with, um, with um, checks. Um, the other thing that we're going to be doing here, we're going to be working through an example. Um, and I developed this example. You need to help them to develop a repayment plan. How are you going to pay everything that you owe quickly? Um, the example that I'm using here is using a technique called snowball technique. Have you ever, how many of you have heard about that technique? Snowball, yeah? Now, the first step in snowball is that you have to list every single thing that they owe. Every single thing that they owe. Including if it's a personal debt, meaning that you owe to your mom or your uncle or whoever, you know? You have to list everything that you owe. Now, what happened is the first step, when you have somebody, you take them through this example, you will be surprised. They have never have put their debts in writing. And they will be panicked when they see all this. But they don't need to panic. They have accepted the first step that they need help, and you have to move forward. And you need to help them to have hope that there is 
uh, light at the end of the tunnel. So the first thing that you do is you take their, um, their list of debts, and you, what do you think they should start paying first? Yeah, I knew. I was expecting that. I was expecting that. Should we pay the highest, the one that you pay the highest interest, or the one that you pay that you owe the smallest? The smallest amount. Why? You need a candy somewhere. You just need some success somewhere. It just helps them. Remember, you're dealing here with habit issues, not most of the time with habit issues. So they need to feel that they're moving forward, that they are making some strides. You will list, one thing that I forgot to mention, you list all the debts and how much they owe, and you have to list also the minimum payment for each and every one of them. So what you're going to do is you're going to help them to start working on their debts, but they are going to start paying the minimum on each debt except the one that you owe the least. And here, is this in, in sequence? No, I don't think so. No, okay. The next page it is. Don't worry about it. Because <laughs> I did it. Oh, I just, I was supposed to do So this person actually, how much do they owe? 101. Almost impossible. It looks like, you know. Um, now, should they go in bankruptcy? What do you think about bankruptcy? Have you heard about bankruptcy? Is it Christian to go bankruptcy? Mm-hmm. Huh? Why? Why do you think it's not good to... You owe money, you need to pay. There are two types of bankruptcy. One of them is what they call liquidation, that you basically uh, don't pay what you owe. Others are, the other one that is thing is chapter 13, I think it is. That's the one that they do a plan of payment that will help you. Because people that um, have a lot of credit card debts, they're actually um, in, um, they are receiving a lot of phone calls, threatening them for not paying. I used to work in an insurance company, and um, <laughs> there is a department called the recovery. And, and the way that it works is that when the insurance company pays, um, let's say that you have an accident, and your insurance company pay the car and pay the injuries and everything, but they find that you were not guilty. So what they're going to do, they pay you, but they're going after the insurance company of the person that was guilty, that was at fault. So what happened is they are so aggressive that actually I went one time to that section because I was reviewing some of the processes that they were doing, and they were insulting, like very like aggressive lawyers just calling and insulting people on the phone. And then when they hang up, everybody was clapping around. And, and I just like, I can't believe it. But that is really the environment. So let me just tell you, people that are calling you are professionals to intimidate you, to make sure that they, you get pay, that they get paid and things like that. So somebody that is in debt is usually having a hard time to deal with that. Maybe it depends on the situation. Maybe that's an option. But I will tell you, don't go there. Just don't go there. See if you can survive without finding any protection from, um, from uh, those companies. Now, this person, if they pay the minimum, they will be paying 2202 per month. But in this example, this person earns 3500 a month. What do you... Huh? Oh, she hurts. <laughs> But you, you know why I gave this example? Because you can see that it is possible. It is possible. 
Now, the first thing is, um, why do I say the net salary? Oh, net salary, that's gross. And then net salary will be 3300 And then what is the first thing? Tithe, 350 Offering, I just gave, I think it was a temp- 1% or something like that, $35. Um, personal expenses, I just went with the $300. Oh, no, no, it's in the mortgage. It's in the mortgage. It's in the mortgage. Okay, $300. You may say that is not enough. When I go through the grocery store, $300 is nothing. You know, beans are pretty cheap if you buy (laughs) reason rice, you know. No, what I'm trying to say is you need to monitor in your grocery uh, shopping where the money is going. Because sometimes there are things that are more economical than others. I told you that you need to swallow what? Your pill. And that means that probably what you're eating it should be healthy. But if you pray, God will provide some things and articles that are, you know, financially lettuce, tomatoes, the basic stuff. Uh, don't try to get fancy into doing a lot of lasagnas and things like that because then that will go up. I just came up with 300. I don't know. It could be 400 or 500. But um, I just wanted to make a point there. Now, in reality, this person only has after they pay all this and save $300 for their, daily, their um, monthly expenses, then they have 2615 but they are need to pay how much? $2,200 in debt. So how much do they have left after that? $413, that's all. That's basically it. One of those credit cards. <laughs> oh, yeah. That was another thing. I had somebody. Uh, what? One thing, I had a friend that actually, um, you will go to, to his house, and um, the temperature of his home, <laughs> it was really cold. You were going to visit him, and you better bring your jacket with you. But um, she was, he was trying to save some money, and that was interesting. But that may be part of what you need to do. That may be part of what you need to do. You've got to do something that is balanced and is wise, and we need to take care of our health. So we need to ask the Lord. This re- require a lot of wisdom. Now, what are you going to do every month? You're going to pay your minimum on each debt, but we find that there is a credit card that you owe how much? $800. But remember, how much do you have left every month? 400 So that means that in two months, that baby can be out of the way, shred it again. Um, so you basically, the first month, you pay 446 for that credit card, pay the minimum on each and every other credit card and debt. And then what do you do the second month? Are you going to go and buy more grocery shopping? No. Then you start working on your second one. Okay, because you only need $403 to actually pay off your $800 that month. That means that the rest, you're going to start paying what? The next one, the next one. Uh, as I said, you require, it requires a lot of discipline, but in two months, they will be so happy that one credit card is out of the way. Yes. Huh? Says he's... Safety in that bill? Yes, you will not have that safety net. 
For three months, you're saying? You were actually in problems before. Um, yes, we don't have that, but he doesn't have anything. Basically, you start to build in that right now as soon as you start paying. The church bringing their food. Every <laughs> um, let me tell you, if you see the person seriously working on that, you may want to help them. You may want to help them. Um, yes. Mhm. Yes. Mhm. 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 That's important. Mhm. And that's why it's so important that we pray about this because God will need if God sees your heart, I'm pretty sure he will provide the means and protect you, you know. Yes. Mhm. 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 Yeah, the thing is that what we are trying to say is the first probably months, couple of months, you may be trying to start building that, that um, how do you call um, It's not the safety net, but you will have enough enough to start building the emergency fund, start building your emergency fund. You, it is impossible or it will not be wise to do this without having a budget prepared. Um, and I think budget is something that you can start preparing um, immediately. As soon as you come up with a plan, then start working on the budget with them. Any comments? Any other comments? Yes. Got it. Okay. Okay. Any other comments? I need to switch probably microphones and make sure that you can speak with the microphone. <laughs> Otherwise, it will not be in the recording. Okay. Very good point, and I think it's very important that you build that. I'm just trying to put the a situation when there is that person just have nothing. You know, you've got to just start building the ability so they can have more money left during the month so they can start building your emergency funds. That's what it is. But it is very important that we build that safety net. Now, the third month, what happens? And this is an example. So third and fourth month, this one, it will take some time to actually pay it off. But if you notice, how much are they paying on a monthly basis for this debt? Five and 16. What does that mean? That means that what you were paying in the other debt, you start adding that to the second one. And um, what is going to happen is that in six months, you will pay off that debt. Month number six. Now, month number seven, you start working on the personal loans, and you go through that. If you notice, at this point, they will probably start feeling tempted. This is the time when starting building your, you know, your savings, that, this is a good timing. Because 573, you can probably start building, even if it's $100, $200, start building that up. Start building that up. But make sure that the person's Already, one of the, f the best things is that the first few months you're breaking the habits of spending and be more accountable. Now the discipline is there. Um, what you need to do is just to help them, probably give them some option to start building up a strong foundation with a budget, okay? And set setting that emergency fund. Um, the next thing is actually month number nine. And you should see, it takes this person, if we do this, 
but this is assuming you don't do the safety, um, the emergency fund. But technically, it should take them 18 months to pay off their main or four or five of their debts. 18 months. What is 18 months? One year and a half. A year and a half. Before, they have no hope. Now they can see the, end, the light at the end of the tunnel. It is possible, but it will require discipline. It will require the help of God to change our minds, change the way that we do things. Now, this is easier in paper, okay? It is very difficult when you have, it is a family, and you have a husband and a wife, and I will tell you that if one of them is the one that has the problem with spending, who's the one that is looking for help? The other one, the one that already has the discipline. So just keep that in mind. This is just goes beyond just sitting at the table. It may require a family to be together to pray about it. Okay? Now, what should you do? Let's say that you get here to this level. Should I just then pay off my student loan or my mortgage? What would you recommend to this person? And now is when interest rate may come into place. Maybe interest rate come into place. Uh, student loans, usually they have, most of them, very low interest rate, sometimes compared with a mortgage. Uh, at that point, I will switch if it's possible, if it's possible. I will switch and then start focusing on paying the mortgage. Now, I mentioned to you that I have this book that for me has been a blessing, uh, finance, um, Faith and Finance. In this book, it covers actually some strategy of how, pay, how to pay off your mortgage in half of the time or a very reasonable amount of time. Um, and I did not have enough time to start covering this over here. But I will tell you, the website that I gave you at the beginning is actually AdventistStewardship.org. It has the strategy of how to pay off your mortgage in half of the time or even less than that. Um, and um, the principle is this. The principle with the mortgage is the fact that at the beginning, you are paying. How many of you have seen an amortization table? What happened with the amortization table? At the beginning, what do you pay? Interest. Anything that you pay in addition to what you pay monthly, it goes straight to your principal. Yes. AdventistStewardship.org. Mm-hmm. AdventistStewardship.org. It is really well prepared. This booklet, excellent. One thing that you could do with this booklet is actually you can start um, studying because it has a lot of biblical principles. Um, when you're starting working with them, just start studying a Bible study. Start as a Bible study to study their finance um, and how to be good stewards of God's money. And you will understand, but the book switched from very spiritual to more practical. They go through this example. They go through the example of paying the mortgage, and they go through the example of setting your um, budget. Okay. I think. Let me see if they have it over here. Um, I don't. I do not know, but I'm pretty sure it's like fifteen dollars or something like that, or eighteen. Um, it is excellent. I'm telling you, excellent. Okay. Any question about this? Yes, Kathy. Okay, let me let me give you the let me give you. Yes, it is. Uh, I had the privilege of attending one of Edward Reed's uh, 
seminars. Our, actually, it was our daughter that was in the classes that we were attending, and he covered this on amortization schedule, and I hadn't known anything about that. I went home, got an amortization schedule, and it was amazing. I could pay like three months of payments at one time at that time because we had just refinanced our house because just about everything is interest initially and, and basically paid about five years of payments within the first year. I mean, then it slows down because you're getting to it. But it's, it's a wonderful thing, and I'm doing that as church treasurer at our church. As we're paying off our church mortgage, I'm doing the same thing. As soon as there's any extra, I put it against principal, and you can knock out, you know, an additional month. Every, every additional month out of the way is a wonderful blessing. Thank you. Yeah, and uh, yes. <laughs> you know, right now is, uh, is a real good time. If, if there are those of you that have the money, available, uh, it's a real good time to think about refinancing. I mean, interest rates have never been this low. And, you know, at a time when you can't invest your money and make anything, there's hardly any interest being paid to you on money you invest. This is the way to take advantage of the market we have right now is with a low mortgage. And the refinance that we just did, actually we did a couple refinances within a period of two years, which isn't normally done, but for something like $7,000 of closing costs, I think the total savings to us is going to be about 30000 as we and that's if we just pay our house off in six or seven years, which is ahead of schedule. We figure we'd still save that much. We're trying to pay it off before we retire. So, <laughs> so it's a huge opportunity out there now for those that have the cash to do it. It's a good thing. So there is, there are a lot of opportunities out there that we just need to. Uh, if we don't know, this is one thing that happens. You may want to help somebody, but we don't have enough knowledge. That's where that website will help you. Calling somebody that. Um, you know that is a good you know, financial manager and things like that. It just helps. Just reach out. But never, never, never run away from somebody because you do not understand well this concept. You probably can be learning that. And you can make this a very good ministry. There are many people searching for that help. Okay? Um, any other comment or question? Okay. Let me just mention if... Oh, yes. Oh, um, I just want to ask about vacations. How how much of our money should go into that one, or is it advisable? <laughs> um, she's asking, how about vacation? How much money it's, uh, we can advi be advised to take and set up for um, vacation? I'm going to be talking about a little bit about the budget. And the fact is, Vacations are important, um, and you can make, I know what is to take a vacation that you spend $8,000, um, and I know one that you spend, you know, $400. So you may need to choose your vacation. It is your personal choice. But keeping in mind that vacations, they go quickly, and you spend a lot of money on vacations. So um, I think taking time off and God's nature and things like that is very wise when you're going through a financial restructuring um, just paying $5 a night for just get a tent and enjoy nature. That's the best thing to do. But you should allocate in your budget money for vacation. It's very critical. Because it will happen. Sooner or later it will happen. Um, what I want to discuss now very quickly is the fact that what are the components in your budget? The basic components I always put first, tithe and offering. Um, when we are saying offering, this is a percentage that you probably set automatically every week or every two weeks or a month. But there is probably some savings that you want to set aside, some money that you want to set aside. You know when there is a ministry that comes that have this project and that project. Budget for that. 
budget for that. It's beautiful when you can have some savings, some money aside for special projects. Um, so the first thing is set your site offering, and then in the saving parts, if you notice over there, you have the emergency component. That means emergency, the problem, emergency could be tricky because what is an emergency for you, it may not be an emergency for me. And everything can be categorized as emergency. Um, so you actually should be talking with your husband or wife, with your spouse, actually, what is considered an emergency. And then you can define that well. <laughs> uh, it could be sickness or anything like that, vacation, mission projects, mission trips. I love to go on mission trips. Mission trips is something that um, we should probably budget for. It. It's very important for your spiritual life, too. So, um, And investments. You know, if you have a car, you, it will not last forever. I, I have the example of my friend Kathy that is here. She actually, do you want to share what you did with your van, the investment that you made with the Lord, with your green van? <laughs> um. Well, my last van that I had, I just, when I got it, I, I had a special dedicatory prayer for it. I said, this is, this is your van, Lord, and I want to use it for your honor and glory, and did. I'm not sure what all you had in mind. Um, and I put over 230,000 miles on it, and then, did you want me to tell about the damage? Um, we went on a trip, and when we got back to the Dallas airport to pick up the van, they had had an enormous hailstorm. Bottom line is the van was totaled. Uh, you know, so you, you just never know. Uh, that was, you could say, an emergency thing, but uh, the Lord helped us find a used vehicle to replace it. But. I think the principle that I want to, I really love when I, it was actually, she repeated so many times that this is Vans, the God's van. You know, you have a name for it, I think. God's Odyssey van. <laughs> so is she dedicated her car, and she always kept repeating that she wanted to keep that car until Jesus comes. You know, this is it. This is my last car. This is my last car. Um, but, you know, wise thing is, even though we have that, I think we should still save because the van may break down. And not only that, it may happen what happens to her. Um, but the point that I'm trying to make, just think always about saving something for your cars and other uh, investment, major investment. Um, I, one thing that happens is, have you noticed when you have problem with your refrigerator, then it happens with the, the washer and dryer and everything starts kind of breaking at the same time? Well, the thing is the um, appliances and things that you buy in your house, they have a life expectancy. And usually you acquire all those things at the same time because or you get married or you have a new car or a new house. And what happens is the life expectancy, they're very close. So, you know, when the refrigerator breaks down, just get ready. The washer and dryer is going to come after that. But, you know, it is true. It doesn't come to last forever. But maybe you can put it in an investment and God can just extend the lifespan of that. Um, the other thing is you need to uh, budget or at least put in your budget everything that you have to pay, including property taxes. Uh, people hate to think about property taxes, but every year when they receive that bill, it's just, it hurts. Some states hurts more than others. Uh, loans, insurance. Now, you should budget also for things that are variables. Here's where I struggle the most. Because I say I'm going to spend only $300 in food. Uh, when I need to buy the cashew and this and that, it's just so expensive. So... Um, 
that is the reason why I like a quarterly budget versus a monthly budget. Because in one month, I will spend a lot of food, but um, I will save in other things like clothing and gas and things like that. Yes. Oh. Um, I have a budget that I set up on Excel, and what I do is when I'm finishing, let's say, um, actually I finished December's kind of before we came here, and what I do is on the next month's budget, so example for January, if I've gone over in food, I'm going to put a negative balance um, in, in, the next, in the next month. Um, but for things like, um, let's say we have like $50 for gifts. If we haven't spent that that month, that month I'll put a positive value in the next month. So that way we are um, building up savings for gifts when it gets back to Christmas again, that kind of thing. That is true. Um, any other comment or, yes, there is one over there. Yes, I found out because I have four kids. So, the, you know, um, if you make a plan, like a meal plan for the week, then you spend on what, you know, you're going to, you know. And that way also they don't eat so much junk food and all these things. You just have a good meal plan, and then you go to the store, and then you don't buy everything that you see, and you save money. And every week, you know, you, you because I try everything, I would buy, hide it, and it would disappear. <laughs> you know how kids are. So, you know, they have to learn temperance also. So, you know, that helps with that also. Um, I was just going to share that my husband and I, about mm, 20 years ago, um, were really in debt. And um, it was the mortgage, but it r was really we just didn't have the money to pay the electric and the oil. And, you know, so it wasn't credit card and stuff like that. And we were trying to build a church at the same time. And so we didn't have any money to build the church. And so I did this Bible study on tithe and offering because I was like okay Lord we've been trying to build the church for four years we don't have any money to build it where's the money supposed to come from and the it was really really uh, neat because I found out that Israel gave a third of their income and so there's three different components to the um uh, Jesus's ministry and each one of them is tied around an offering which consisted of the third of the income and so we were convicted that we should pay a third of our income but we were already so far in debt it was like how do you do this and so on faith we just stepped out and we started doing it in a year's time we had paid all of our debt off except for our mortgage and so our motto is we can't afford not to tithe and do tithe and offering because God is just blesses us so much. So how did you get the extra money? You know, it was something, a new job or something? Uh, well, we were, um, he's a heating contractor and he was working for, he was, uh, well, he, at the time he was um, a service tech for a heating contractor. And... Um, they were not paying him, and so he. But he had kept a list of what they owed him. He gave that to him, and immediately they just quit using him altogether. And so now we're in debt with this conviction, and we have no job and no income. And so we gave it to the Lord, and at that point he went into business for himself, and it was the best year we ever had. So, 
And that is a beautiful testimony. Um, is there any other comment? Sometimes you are on a salary level. And that's why I ask you, because I was just curious how the Lord works things out. Um, when you have a salary, you may, you know, you should expect that God is going to provide and everything like that. But just keep in mind that God will need to work a miracle if you're on a salary. The order in which that was written, shouldn't uh, the fixed expenses be addressed first? Or because, you know, your vacations and whatever else uh, should come after you pay what you need to pay. Is that... I did not actually use any any logic, but in my, you know, it's probably my own need. I am over there where I need to put savings first to make sure that we have enough for saving. Um, but no, I, I agree with you. You have to pay everything that you owe first. Your responsibilities go first and savings um, will go later. And even within savings, there are some that are more critical. The emergency should be the first one you start building up. And then vacations should be probably in the bottom, in my opinion. <laughs> um, but uh, not because of vacations are not important, but just because we need to be careful um, that we need to be wise when we take vacations, where we spend the money. I think, do you think, let me just, one thing that my husband and I, we like to do is budget for events like GYC and ASI. Uh, we consider in our lives that, you know, it's like, um, it's like our camp meeting, just coming together. And it's every year that we come here, it's almost like we get to know more and more people. So there are more and more hugs, you know, to give. And sometimes you run into people that you don't even remember their names or things like that, but you know their face, you have seen them before. Um, so for us at this stage that we are at, we can do that. Um, but I know, remember what they presented last night of the group that came by faith canvassing? All from Weimar, faith trip. I think that was so neat. I think that that was so neat. Um, probably they did, I just they did not. I'm not sure if they said if they they did not have the money to come or something like that. I think it was actually uh, a step of faith, and I think you sh young people can be encouraged to do more, you know, of that. Uh, but do not miss the blessing of coming over here. Um, I know that um, some students came to me. They could not come because of finance. I always say, you know what? Pray, 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 pray. God will open doors. You know, money can come from one way or the other. Um, and um, sometimes I just laugh about it because I have seen some of those hotel rooms. You open the door, <laughs> and it's like, no, I don't want to see it. <laughs> There's so many people lined up over there sleeping. <laughs> so um, anyway, praise God. But that's one thing that you can you should budget for it in my opinion if you have the opportunity to do so any other comment or question that you have okay one thing that i'm going to do is now is um i want to close with a word of prayer but i also want to give you my email address if you're interested on the material that i presented i can email that to you and my email is magda m a g d a m a g d a uh, ohc at gmail.com ohc mm -hmm. Washington Hills College m-a-g-d-a ohc at gmail.com ohc o-h as in Harry c c c mm, my accent again 
Huh? It is. It stands for Washita Hills College. <laughs> Washita. That's my work email. That's my work email. But I will definitely forward to you what I have. I, I, I will encourage you to make this a priority in your church to reach out to those in need. And remember, even if it's not from the church, this could be a ministry that you can start in your local church. And uh, you will see if you do some advertisement, I'm pretty sure you're going to get a lot of people from the community that are going to join you. And you can share some of these knowledge. And, and remember, they are, remember what we said at the beginning with the $20,000 and the $15,000 that you owe? It is an emotional issue. So if you get closer to them, they will be more open to listen to the good news of our Savior if you are over there with them going through this uh, challenging time. Okay? Yes. Oh, my husband has business cards. <laughs> yeah. But he has my email. Um, I give you my email. If you need a business card, he has it. He's my secretary right now. <laughs> I love them very much. Okay. Let's close with a word of prayer before we go. So if you want to stand, we all can stand. Our Heavenly Father, um, we are so grateful for all the resources that you give us every day, all the talents that you put in our hands, Father. Father, help us to be faithful in everything. Help us, Father, to reach out to those that are in need during this uh, economical crisis. Give us wisdom. Help us to increase our knowledge in this area and use it as a tool for your honor and glory, Father. And as we go out of this room, Father, just help us, Father, to keep our communion with you. And during this new week, Father, just help us to be witness of your love and the things that you have done for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much, okay? Have a good afternoon. This message was recorded by Fountain View Productions for GYC. GYC, a supporting ministry of the Seventh-day Adventist Church, seeks to inspire and equip young people to be vibrant, Bible-based, and Christ-centered Christians. To download or purchase other resources, visit us online at gycweb.org.